Do you want to secure exclusive expert insight? We've commissioned a research piece with Shift Research to discover the state of account-based marketing in APAC. The finished report will give all B2B marketers across APAC a better understanding of how top firms are leveraging account-based marketing and the results they're getting within the region. We have a short survey you can access at xgrowth.com.au forward slash survey, which allows you to participate in this research. And your contribution is super important, even if you're not actively working on your ABM strategy right now. As a thank you for participating, we'll send you an early access version of the report and an invite to an expert Q&A webinar. To get started, head to xgrowth.com.au forward slash survey. That's x-g-r-o-w-t-h dot com dot au forward slash survey and secure your early access to these valuable insights today. Each episode on Growth Connie, we bring you B2B leaders to learn about their successes, fouls, and what's working with them in the market. If you enjoy this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify and share the pod with a friend. And of course, make sure to join our community Slack channel at growthconnie.org forward slash Slack to connect with our members. Enough from me, let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with X-Growth. And today I'm talking to Joe Escobedo, CEO and chief editor at Esco Media, about how B2B marketers can leverage podcasts as part of their ABM efforts. Super excited about this chat. Joe, thanks for being on the pod. Yeah, absolutely. Good to see you again, my friend. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Now, I'm, I'm super excited about this. I think this is a this is a tactic slash play that is uh, is not as widely widely used. So I'm really excited of exploring this with you. And I know um, you are an absolute gun when it comes to uh, podcasting and kind of leveraging that as as a ABM uh, channel. So I, I want to explore and start this with understanding how your approach to podcasting is different than most people. What, what, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And, and I want to definitely explore that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share how we're different. I think if I zoom out and I think about why we even created the podcast. So it was for a couple of reasons. I think during COVID, I was going crazy, not talking to anyone being, you know, in my shacked away little apartment for, you know, a year on end. And so that's why I created the podcast personally to connect with people to still learn. And on the flip side of that, I said, okay, what can we do to benefit the audience? And so I was looking for, as I do, different resources to learn about B2B marketing in Asia. So I previously wrote a book because I couldn't find a book about it. This time I said, okay, I'm searching. I can't find any podcasts available, so I'll just go ahead and create one. So that was the idea was to find you know, a gap in the market, which was people talking about B2B marketing. And layer on top of that, sharing more practical tips and takeaways. Because there's tons of media who cover, you know, today's headlines and trending topics, but that's nothing, not something I really wanted to talk about. I want to dive into sharing people's personal experiences, what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them, and things that people can apply that day. I think that's one thing that people say about our podcast, and that's been the common thread. We're about 100 episodes in that we continue to do, or at least we try to do as best as we can. Got it. Got it. And how how does podcasting and ABM come into play? Because I feel like most people, when they think about 
um, podcasting, they think about it more as kind of top of the funnel awareness. Hey, people are going to be listening to it. How does that mix into as an ABM tactic? How does that work? Yeah, so I think there's still that element of top of the funnel, which I think podcasting is a great way to do that. Not only the original podcast, but breaking up into snippets, which I can talk about a little bit later. But if we look at each stage of kind of the marketing or sales funnel, like top of the funnel, like I said, getting it out there on the respective channels, whether it's YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. And then from a mid funnel, what we found is actually this client recommended this approach to us. It's not something that I thought about. I wish I was that smart. But they said, hey, Joe, um, could we use podcasting from an ABM approach? Meaning that great thing about podcasting is you're having a you know intimate conversation with someone. Can we leverage that based on our target account list? So, for example, if a, a media company has a target account list of a uh, prospects of their of their prospects or top prospects they want to connect with, and they said, okay, can we use a media company as an intermediary? Because what they found is when you go directly a tech vendor to a potential client, there's always that issue of, hey, you know, these people are trying to sell me something. Am I going to get, you know, pitched or I'm going to go through some kind of demo that I want to go through? Is that going to happen? If so, I'm just going to ignore these guys. So that was the case with a lot of clients. And so they said, how about we use it as a way to facilitate a relationship based on a specific target account list and use a media company as a way to facilitate that relationship? And so off the back of that, it's been quite interesting because some clients have leveraged that approach finding specific prospects they were unable to connect with previously, using that podcast as a way to not sell them anything, but to find out more about the other person, find out what their passion points are, and then use that as a way to continue the conversation. So what's been interesting, if I use a specific example, is there was one client who was trying to reach, um, say, the head of marketing in a specific bank, really banging their head against the wall. So this person was like, hey, this person is ignoring my emails, they're ignoring my calls. But, you know, both parties are invited on the same podcast. And it was quite interesting because the prospect was actually asking the tech vendor, hey, can you actually you know, tell us more about what you do? Can we catch up after this for like coffee or another chat? So it just was great how it happened organically, whereas a lot of companies think they have to go in the traditional way of just cold emailing and pitching them. And this conversation happened organically. They were able to carry that forward and then obviously help close that enterprise deal. So it works great for enterprise deals. If I layer on top of that, how you can use the podcast even more to expand that outreach. And this is something some of our clients are doing as well, is taking some of those snippets. So not the entire podcast, but taking some of those snippets like you do very, very well, Shaheen. Uh, one to two minute snippets, share it on uh, your newsletter, on your LinkedIn profile, whatever it could be. And then using that as part of your outreach messaging. Because if you think about what is the best performing outreach messaging, it's always something that's super relevant. So what does relevant mean to someone? And that's where highlighting specific industry. So for example, if I'm bank A, and you know I'm a salesperson and I said, hey, you know what, we just did this interview with bank A, bank B and C, is this something you might be interested in? If so, happy to share that over to you and happy to share a little bit more in terms of how, what banks are doing in your specific industry or your specific market. And they're like, yeah, sure, happy to find out more. So it changes the whole conversation of how we communicate by generally sharing valuable content um, in the right way. Yeah, I think those are some, some great examples. I really like the idea that you mentioned one of your clients talked about where they're like, hey, we have this target account list. What do we do with that? 
and how can we incorporate that in, in, in the ABM program where most of the times a lot of people are like, hey, that's high level. It's just that's all it does. But hey, it can get very tactical at the even middle or or, um, or further down the funnel as well. So I, I love that. I love that example. Let's talk about what, what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, a marketer is like, OK, now I see. Wow. Mind blown. I see the other dimensions of this. I want to get started with this and, and I want to have this as, you know, in 2022, I want to have this as a channel that I'm going to leverage. Now, whether it's for my ABM approach or for for, for certain art, other um, campaigns, where what would you say is the starting point? Where should they start? So this is a great question. I think, you know, usually it's marketers that come to us directly because marketers in general like, you know, new things where the first step that takes place internally is almost always the marketer says, hey, Joe, I love what you're doing. I love the idea. Let me run this by our head of sales. Or if it's a smaller organization, let, us, let me run this by our founder. So oftentimes, this has to get over the line with the sales head or the founder if it's a small organization. Because the, at the end of the day, a lot of smart marketers are saying, okay, how can we enable sales? And part of that is through this ABM podcasting approach. But if the salesperson says, no, you know what, this is a waste of my time, or I don't see the value of it, then it gets shot down. So one thing that I'm doing, and I'm building a, a checklist, and I can share with you afterwards, of how this impacts basically every part of the organization, from customer service to sales enablement to comms and so on, particularly focusing on the sales side, because salespeople in general are very targeted. I wouldn't say the most open when it comes to new ideas, not always. I think there are some very rare exceptions. But that's something internally they have to do. They have to sell it in. Once they sell it in, then the process becomes, who are we targeting? So it always starts with the list. That list could be a list of specific companies. In some cases, they say, okay, we want to focus on um, banking in ANZ uh, with this type of persona, for example. So that becomes a little bit of a a nuanced situation where maybe a media company or a third party would help facilitate or add additional names to that because the salespeople may have their list, but the media company can come and say, hey, you wanna, have you thought about XYZ? They're actually looking for something similar. And then you marry the two. But I think that's something that's really important because if you think about how salespeople think, they're very, very, very clear. Here's, here's my list. Here's what I need to sell to. How can you help me facilitate the relationships? That's all they care about. So first is getting them on board in terms of buying into the idea. Second is onboarding them in terms of getting them to share the list, share their priorities, and then feeding that into the rest of the um, processes. Got it. Got it. Got it. You talked about getting buy-in from sales. Who do you usually see as the best person to facilitate the, um, the podcast, right? Do you kind of chop and change the let's say there are multiple a's or salespeople. do you chop and change who's the host do you have marketing as the host do you have the founder like what are your thoughts in terms of you know who is it that is going to be building that relationship yeah so i can share some previous experiences usually it is the the head of sales in a particular market so for example we've run this across southeast asia and anz and apac and so if it is a india focused company that they want to reach out to then they would have the head of sales at india if it's anz they have the head of sales at anz and vice versa the reason for that is because it makes the conversation a bit more natural when they're talking about 
you know, specific market challenges because they're both living there, both doing business there. So that's the way we've broken it out is looked at specific markets and they said, okay, who would be one knowledgeable because they have to be, they have to know their stuff. They can't just be a true blue salesperson. They are just pitching things. They have to be knowledgeable about a particular industry or market. And two, the second thing, and not necessary, but it does help is a little bit of personality. So obviously someone who is better on camera, or at least if you're doing it just audio, who's more comfortable just speaking, that is definitely makes it helpful when you're sending it out. Because if you have someone who's super dry, and we've had these episodes, uh, not you know super dry, but more monotone. And then we've had you know Celsi who are just incredible like hosts. They could be like the host of like you know the Tonight Show. I'm like you should be writing this whole thing. There's definitely a dynamic we've seen in terms of like the actual retention, engagement, and all the metrics post interview. So that's something to keep in mind when you're thinking about who should host it. But in our case, it's generally the sales people who are uh, doing it. A lot of times I'm hosting it and then it'll be a prospect on the other side. Got it, interesting, interesting. Okay, tell me a little bit about, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but tell me a little bit about some of the mistakes you've seen marketers or whoever it is that they're kind of launching a podcast for their organization start making that you like, oh my God, that's a no-no. What, what comes to mind? I think it goes back to the internal alignment. I think that's where I've seen the biggest hiccups is, you know, sales people, the marketing getting really excited and they're saying, hey, we've, we've just sold this, we just bought, sold this initiative. And then internally, the sales people are like not really bought in. They're dragging their feet. They're not giving you names. They're not giving you their time to be on the podcast. That has been, I think, the biggest challenge is not necessarily externally, but just getting it internally. And I think that's where, you know, having specific examples, specific case studies can help sell it in because they'll want that validation. Because this is a relatively new way of, you know, doing ABM, they'll want to see, okay, who what other companies have done it, what are some of the results they've gotten, that can help get buy-in. But I think in hindsight, looking back, you know, people who are, at least on the sales side, who are more comfortable, like even posting on LinkedIn or speaking at conferences, in hindsight, I would probably pitch them first because they're more likely to do this versus someone who's super introverted and has no um, kind of desire to, to, to be heard or kind of, uh, share their, their thoughts. So that's something I, I might think about as well, too. Got it. Got it. Got it. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Do, do you think equipment is important? So that's a, that's a question that comes up quite often. And it was like, what about the tools? We need to have all this set up. And that's, you know, I need to plan for all of that. What, what's your answer to that? So I think, you know, the bare minimum, like, I don't think, first off, you don't have to go super high production. I know some folks are doing it in a studio and they have like studio lighting and, and things like that. I think as long as you have a decent USB mic and you get these for like a hundred bucks off of Amazon and then like just a Logitech camera. So for the first year, I was do, doing it off of a Logitech camera. I think it was like a hundred bucks. The mic was like a hundred bucks. So it was maybe a couple hundred bucks. And as long as you do it with good lighting, so for example, if you're doing it with um, sunlight, and you have the sun facing you, that can make a big difference. If you're doing it in a dark room, you probably have to get some external lamps or some external lights. But once again, you can get a ring light off of like Amazon or Taobao or any of the, the platforms for like, I think my first one, I have it over here still, it was like 25 bucks. And we still read professional quality for 25 bucks ring lights. Uh, obviously we've upgraded a bit now, but yeah, we, we did it. I think more people are focused on 
the quality of the conversation. So as long as you have the bare minimums of, you know, I can hear clearly, there's no static, um, the person is not too blurry and things like that. I think that's what they're really looking for. Got it. Joe, I want to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions, right? But before I kind of jump into and into those, are there any other points that maybe I haven't, we haven't talked about or I haven't asked about that you think it's important with regards to podcasting, incorporating it into um, the uh, marketing uh, the marketing game and the ABM tactics? Do you think is, is something that we missed and, and I haven't, haven't covered? So I think one thing that we're doing more and we didn't do as much last year is focusing on the distribution side. Because as I mentioned, you know, having the podcast can be great to facilitate an enterprise deal, but then people are asking, okay, how can I expand that? So I've started documenting a way, you know, step by step, how to do it for, for example, taking snippets, uh, scheduling it out across a specific uh, time period. So instead of just blasting one specific 30 minutes um, version of it, you can do basically what you and I do is take upload native one minute or two minute snippets and then share that maybe once a week, twice a week over a longer time period. And that way people are getting exposed to it when they want to. So that's one. The other is sharing across your newsletter. So once again, not just having one big, hey, here's the topic. But the great thing about podcasting is you're going granular. So even the topics we have today, I use the cold sorry, I use a tool called Descript. And it allows me to pull out uh, your speech versus mine. So I can see automatically when I upload the video that I asked the question you answered. It'll show it in text. And I can just copy and paste the question and answer portion. So that allows me to get it more granular in terms of the topics. Because today we, we might be talking about ABM for podcasting. But you say, hey, I have a client or I know someone who's interested in just getting started. Or I know someone who's you know already starting, but they want to know how to measure it. Or they want to know how to distribute it. So I'm going to share just this one-minute snippet because if I share the whole 30-minute episode, people are going to like, oh, I'm not going to listen to that. But they will listen to like a one- or two-minute snippet. So that's one thing that I think is super helpful. And then getting the sales team to share it on their own profiles if they're involved, tagging the guest because that can have a huge difference in terms of expanding exposure. We've, we've seen this time and time again with different clients where you take the opportunity to share your profile, tag them, and then they like it, and obviously their whole network likes it. On top of that, what you could do is take those snippets and then just create a Google Drive folder, share that with the guests and say, hey, look, we went ahead and we've created a list of 10 one-minute snippets for you to share. You can share on your LinkedIn if you want to. You can share on your social channels. It's entirely up to you, but we just wanted to thank you and share that with you. And if they share maybe just a couple of those, that's once again, additional exposure for you. If you have a little bit of branding or you have a logo there, that can make a huge difference. Um, I've talked about a little bit using on the outreach side, which is super helpful. Also running ads. So the great thing about, you know, once you have this analytics of what's working is you can run ads to uh, particular audiences because you know which one of those snippets is working. So it doesn't have to be the video itself. You could be an excerpt in terms of audio or text or whatever, you know, you want to think about. But there are so many different ways to slice and dice it. And I think that's what a lot of organizations don't do. They get very excited about the interview. And then they say, OK, we're done from here. Or they'll create like a gated landing page, which some clients have done as well, too. So you can use it from an MQL point of view if you want to. Otherwise, you can run everything organically. Tell me a little bit, what, what do you mean by ads? Are you, are you talking about kind of like promoting the podcast on, uh, on different social medias through paid channels? Or are you talking about ads within the podcast? 
So g- good question. So I'm referring to taking snippets. So let's say that you're f- you're targeting a specific industry or a specific persona on on LinkedIn. You're running ads there. So one thing you could do is take a snippet from that that has that particular uh, persona on it. Because people, once again, will always want to know what are their peers up to. So if I'm running, say, a generic, um, you know, piece of content versus one where I have an interview with the head of marketing at this bank in A and Z, then obviously you're going to see the click-throughs and engagement will be better on the latter than the former. So that's one thing I'd recommend is using it to drive uh, registrations and things like that. Got it. Got it. That that's really awesome. I mean, those are those are really solid points, specifically around distribution. And I think that's uh, that's a big question for a lot of marketers. Maybe wh- while you were talking, this other question popped in my head. What should like what is a benchmark if I'm like launching a podcast and one of the metrics that I'm going to be looking at is number of people to download. Actually, I, on that note, let's go, let's go one step before. What should I measure? So very good question. I think it goes back to what your objective is. For me, I like to always go qu- quality over quantity, but I know a lot of folks who say, hey, how many, how many views is this going to get me or how many downloads is it going to get? And I think if that is, what's well, good, it's, once again, it goes back to each level of the marketing funnel. You can have a brand awareness one where you say, hey, we want this name of downloads or this many views on different social platforms. And I think that can be a be- good benchmark for that portion, but I don't think it can be it for the rest. So you can have specific KPIs for the awareness looking at not only podcast downloads, but if you're running it on YouTube, you can have YouTube views. If you are running it on LinkedIn organically, you can look at uh, organic LinkedIn video views and combining everything. So not just relying on one specific platform, but saying, okay, here's the views we want to get across. And then on LinkedIn or, or other platforms, you can look at engagement as well too. And then on top of engagement, always look at the quality of engagement. So this is something that not a lot of folks think about, and it's quite frustrating, is they ask, okay, how many downloads did this get? But I always ask them this, would you rather have 10,000 downloads or one CEO or one CMO from a prospect company you're trying to reach out to comment on that or share that or like it, whatever it could be? Like, which one's going to make more of a difference to you? I would hope it'd be the latter, but, you know, some marketers don't think that way. So that's one way on the top of the funnel. The other is we talked about building and nurturing those relationships. So if, for example, previously I was having a difficulty reaching out to a particular prospect, but as a result of this, this conversation I had, we actually had a follow-up one-on-one between us. You know, Maybe we spoke more about what we do and our products, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously that is a KPL, uh, sorry, KPI. Some people use SQLs as that metric um, because it is you know, a sales-related conversation. So that's another metric you look at. And then off the back of that, we talked about um, distribution. I'll just talk about it from a, a sales point of view. So you can track the difference between your outreach messages you were doing before versus after. So before being whatever generic content you're doing, after being, you know, the targeted industry-specific or geography-specific podcast snippets and looking at, okay, am I getting at a better response rate? Am I getting more meetings booked as a result of me sharing this? So that's definitely a uh, bottom of the funnel KPI you could look at as well too. So those are the, I think, the, the big three looking at each stage of the marketing and sales funnel. Got it, got it, okay. So I, I should have mentioned that another application of this, which our clients did as well, is using it from a customer retention and partnership building point of view. Because traditionally, we just think of podcasting and ABM as just new business, which 
you know, most marketers are focused on. But I think there's still a huge opportunity for those who are trying to drive uh, upsells and cross-sells by featuring existing clients. And once again, the goal here is not to, that shouldn't be the main incentive. The incentive should be, look, we want to highlight some of our customers. And I do this all the well, all the time. I will interview a lot of my clients and just find out what they're passionate about, share some of their expertise, and then we talk at the end, what are some of the things that they enjoyed working together, et cetera, et cetera. But it's more in terms of highlighting them. And I think some of our clients have done that very well. They've said, okay, who are our best clients? How can we feature them? How can we give them more limelight and you know, give them more exposure in the region? So that's one. Another audience which they've, they've leveraged is partners. Because if you think about tech, a lot of the, the sales revenue comes from these resellers, these, these uh, third-party vendors who are actually selling the tech. So it could be agencies, whoever. So they've also said, okay, how can we incorporate them and do maybe co-branding? where we will feature it to our audience, they'll feature it to theirs, but we are going to facilitate everything. So some of our clients have done that and said, hey, look, let's use it from a partner marketing point of view. How can we bring in some of our best partners, feature them, and then help them to use it to sell better in their own kind of sales mechanisms? So those are some other ways in which you can bring different parties into the, the conversation. Yeah, anytime that you want to kind of deepen relationships, it can be leveraged as that. So that's, I love that. I love that. Let's do rapid fire questions, okay? Let's dive into All this. Right. Question one is, what is one resource? It could be anything. It could be a book, it could be a blog, talk, whatever it is, podcast, that has had a massive impact on you both personally or professionally. What comes to mind? Yeah, so I have it right, I have it right here. It's the only book I've read about a thousand times. Uh, whoops. How to Win Friends and Influence People. Really. That's, a, that's a great read. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I've read it a hundred times. I think it has a, had a huge impact. Um, and if I look at that the first time I, 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 I read it, it was several years ago. And so the story was I was doing a shoot and we were on this long shoot and this producer just for some reason just didn't like me. I don't know why he just didn't like me. And so it, as part of that, I was just reading this book on, you know, throughout our drive. And as part of it, you know, finding out more about the other person, being interested in them. So I started asking him questions about him personally, finding out more about him. He just talked about his family and his daughter. And then like he just, all the ice just seemed to melt away. And we had like a great conversation and great relationship thereafter. But before that, like I said, he hated me. So I read the book, like found out some tricks, tips and tricks. And yeah, it's had a tremendous, tremendous impact on, on my life and my career, I would say. I love it. Question number two. If you could give one piece of advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? I think you can't track everything. I think as much as B2B marketers, you know, are beholden to, you know, the leadership team and the board of directors to share every single thing, everything has to be of a KPI. I think there's a lot of things that don't. And I can share how we've kind of built the business because I don't do as much tracking as I probably should, but we still get decent amount of clients and very big clients that a lot of people are wondering, how did, how did, how are you working with them? So same question I always ask from a sales point of view is how did you hear about us? And that has opened up so many different ideas and conversations. So last year we were working with a fast growing property tech client and you know, they reached out to me on LinkedIn and I said, Hey, how, how did you hear about us? Like, why would you want to work with us? And they said, hey, you know what? I've been learning from you on LinkedIn for years now. 
have never liked or engaged with any of your content, but I've been you know, absorbing everything. I've been applying it to my different jobs. And as soon as we had this new project that came on board, I had to recommend you to my CEO. And obviously that was like a done deal because they already absorbed and learned and deal with something like that. So that's something that obviously no analytics platform would ever pick up because, you know, if I'm doing it from a lead scoring or lead tracking, this is like a zero. This is like the worst, no, no engagement, no nothing. But the fact that they were able to, you know, come on board that quickly, obviously something you cannot measure or, you know, take into consideration. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. I love that. All right. Third question is, who are some of the influencers that you follow in the marketing space? Obviously, Shaheen Hoda. I mean, that's oh, got to be well. you know, top there. Oh, well, that's that's uh, <laughs> caught me off guard there. <laughs> nah, give me the real I, influencers. I, I, no, I, I think, like I said, you, kudos to you. Like I said, because you're focusing on one particular area, I think that's something that I try to do as well. To me, to be honest, and I was having a conversation this morning, I don't necessarily follow marketers anymore, as crazy as it sounds. Um, what I do follow now is more educators because I think that the best marketers are those who are able to combine entertainment with education. So on the entertainment side, I study what MIT and Harvard professors and what Finland and South Korea and the Singapore school system are doing as a way to say, okay, what are some of the best practices in terms of education? Because if I look at B2B, you know, not going to be at that level yet. So that's one. On the entertainment side, I say, okay, once again, I don't go to LinkedIn, and I'm an ex-LinkedIn, I can say this. I go to TikTok, and I say, okay, what are some of the things they're doing there? Because at TikTok, for better or worse, there's a lot of cringy stuff, but there's obviously a lot of creativity there too. And a lot of people on LinkedIn have applied stuff they've taken from TikTok and just put a professional context on it. And I've done that as well. I try to think of what are people actually consuming in terms of entertainment? So whether it's YouTube shorts or TikTok videos, combine that with best practices on like Harvard. So combining Harvard and TikTok, as odd as that sounds, and applying that to B2B marketing and sales. Love it. I love it. Mix TikTok with a bit of Harvard um, business review. And, uh, and there you have it, the magic. Um, last question I go. got is what's something that excites you about B2B today? Very good question. I think there's still a many, many possibilities. I think because so many organizations are running the same playbook, I think many of them are wondering how to break free of this. Um, so which is one of the reasons that I'm excited to launch kind of like this, this podcasting because it is, it is new. I think the way we're running it is, is quite new, particularly in this region. So that fascinates me. Um, it's also giving me a lot of gray hair as well, too, because there's a lot of education that goes behind it. But I'm, I'm hopeful about the future of, of how it's going to be applied to so many different organizations. Now, eventually, it may be part of the, the generic playbook. We'll have to think of something else. But I think that's one of the joys of running your own business is you constantly have to think about, okay, what's coming up next? How can I apply that to a business context? And how can people benefit in their own role in the organization? Joe, this has been an awesome conversation. I think there's a lot of insights that you dropped there. So I think a lot of our audience are going to absolutely love it. And, uh, and take a fair bit of notes, uh, I'd imagine. But, uh, but look, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and giving us your time. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, man. Yeah, no, always a pleasure to catch up, my friend. This episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell. It was edited by Dave Samito with additional editing and music also by Alexander Hipwell. Special thanks to Tina Wabe and Rod Hoda. We couldn't make this show without you. The show was hosted by Shaheen Hoda. 
If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Yes, you can rate on Spotify now, so please do. And share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. If you'd like to connect with the members of Growth Colony, join our free Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support and we'll see you again in the next one.